Warning, this episode contains spoilers for the Netflix show Masters of the Universe, the Netflix show Castlevania, the video game Final Fantasy VII Remastered, the video game God of War 2018. You have been warned. everybody and welcome to Side Order, the offshoot from the Anyone for Seconds podcast. You haven't quite had your fill, well here you are. So did you get out too much on your Friday the 13th? No, just aside from the usual, you know, internet being stupid and trying to get it fixed and work being an absolute nightmare. Aside from that, no, no, no casual teenage killing or anything like that. Unfortunately, how about yourself? How 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 did the murdering go? Because I know Friday the Thirteenth is your time of the month. To be honest, I didn't even realise it was Friday the Thirteenth until Saturday the Fourteenth. That that's oh. how with with current events I was. So, uh, yeah, the, the 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 slaughter was kept to a minimum. I didn't realise it was a special day, so it was just a normal sort of Friday-level slayings that occurred. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. This is going to be nice and organic and completely natural. It's not like we've done this before. It's not like it's a complete re-record or anything. This is completely normal. Just go about your normal well, business. The, the thing is, is that you say this every time we record because we're either having massive technical dishes issues and when i say we i mean you so i end up sitting here for half hour while you're troubleshooting or we get a failed recording entirely and we end up redoing it and i think this is probably at least the third or fourth time we've had to do a a full re-record of something look it's a learning process it's a learning curve it's fine the the thing is is that you're not learning from your mistakes. <laughs> I'm trying. It's like, right, I'm trying. It's like you may make a mistake, you learn from it, fine, but then don't make the same mistake. You're meant to make new mistakes. <laughs> Do you not know how insanity works? It's trying the same things over and over again and expecting the same result. <laughs> Different result, the same thing over and over again. And expecting well, we're, def- we're definitely getting the same result. Me yeah, exactly. sitting around for 15, 20 minutes, bored out my mind just hearing you not talking, then talking, then sounding like a bloody Dalek. Like, it's like, well, come on now. That. Come the on Daleks now. Are, the Daleks are our, our wonderful overlords, and you should not. So come on then. Watched any films this month? Yeah. <laughs> God. Completely organic. This is fine. This is fine. I've only watched two things this month in comparison with the the many, many things that we usually talk about. Because we're going to try and keep it concise this time. (laughs) So the first thing I watched 
was Shin Godzilla. Which you've which you've nice. not heard me talk about before. I, I um, haven't. And and I haven't passed comment that I really want to see it, so no spoilers, please. <laughs> <laughs> so Shin Godzilla is basically a kind of quasi reboot retelling of the original 1950s Godzilla film. It's interesting because it frames Godzilla again as the menace to society. <laughs> like like that song, it's great. And then uh it's kind of done from a from the political side as well. It's all to do with kind of the political red tape and things like that. In about the first 10 minutes, they literally have about 10 meetings about having meetings. You're like, this is weird, but I see what you're doing with it. It's just like where I work, where it's you have a meeting about the meeting you're about to have, and then you have a meeting afterwards to discuss the meeting you just had. That's the and then they wonder why. <laughs> then they wonder why you get nothing done. Because I've just been in two really unnecessary meetings on top of the one meeting we need to have, which, in my opinion, could have just been an email. So, really, really enjoyed that. I mean, I did start watching the English dub. Don't know why I did that. I got about 10 minutes in, and I was like, yeah, this is wrong. This seems so wrong. Luckily, the Blu-ray I've got, though, swapped. I managed to swap it over to the Japanese dub, so I watched that and was much happier. And that was basically off the back of you showing me that anime Godzilla trailer last month. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, awesome. yeah, I, I need to watch Shin Godzilla. It's on the list. So I finally ticked one off the list. So go me. Ooh, ooh, that, that listicle. So you've that taken is... it down from 10,000 to 999. That's exactly it, yeah. Last time we recorded, which was a failed recording, you deprived me of talking about Sank on the List. And the to- recording before, which actually went out, I was too hot and bothered, so I wasn't able to talk about the list. So, <laughs> once again, this really is now technically the third time consecutively. I cannot mock you for having a really long back catalogue and not clearing stuff up. What can I say? Um, I like to confuse and bewilder on occasion. Everything I did watch this month is I watched 2003's The School of Rock because why the hell not? It was on TV and I was like, yeah, I like The School of Rock. It's Jack Black and it's it's that band, that really cool awesome. fictional band. Yeah, no vacancy, no, School of Rock is... And School of Rock as well, yeah. I genuinely think that was my first exposure to Jack Black was School of Rock. And I'm like, where has he been? You think that was 2003? I think that was, was my indeed, first exposure. Yeah. Then you pick up the first Tenacious D album, you listen to it, and go, wait a minute, this is a little bit vulgar. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, um, I remember seeing it at the cinema with, with, a, with a couple of friends, and I, I had no idea about it going in or anything. I didn't even know what it was, and came out really pleasantly surprised. And whenever it's on TV now, I will always watch it. The soundtrack as well is absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. Mm. Um, I still remember the uh, promo video that Jack Black had to do for Led Zeppelin oh, permission yeah. to use the immigrant song. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, please, your your song will make our f- film like 10,000 times better. Then they use like 10 seconds of it whilst he's just driving a truck. Yeah. Uh, driving and- his uh, van even. 
Boz doing crazy eyebrow things. In comparison, literally before we came to record, uh, Shrek the Third was on TV, and that's got the same amount of um, let uh, immigrant song in it as well. You've just said some dirty words there. Let's I know, I know, I know. I was I got home from work for uh, timestamp purposes. We're recording half past six on a Saturday evening. Uh, so I've been at work, and I was like, "Yeah, it's on TV. It's fine." No, it's not. Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, I want to play a quick game with you. Let's play. Uh, I play a game. What? What? What is the score of that film on Rotten Tomatoes? And do we think it is the correct score? And here is your host, Dave. Okay. The title does need work, admittedly. Okay, Indeed. so School of Rock. School of Rock. You should just call it Dave's Tomatoes. Yeah, Dave Tomatoes. Ew. Anyway, Tomato. You like that, based on your terrible metaphors. <laughs> you leave my metaphors out of this. Okay, so do you think, what do you think the Tomatometer says about 2003's The School of Rock? I think they've given it 67 because they didn't get the joke that 69 would have been funnier. Nice. And that's the okay. critics' score, yeah? Yeah, and what do you think the audience score was? Significantly higher. I'm going to say about 82. Okay, not 69. No, 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 no. Okay, so you would be wrong on both accounts. Oh, because they're higher. This is quite interesting, which I didn't realise. So I, I genuinely didn't know what the scores were when I was watching it on TV. It was only after it finished. I was like, oh, I wonder if I can cover this on the show. The audience score is 64% based off of more than 250,000 ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. The critic score, based on 200 reviews, it's certified fresh. It's 92%. Wow, that's pretty cool. So, I'll tell you what movies I've been watching then. Okay, go for it. Well... We watched two ourselves, which will be future episodes. So we won't go into detail on that. But since yeah. our failed recording... Steady now. Because the last film I spoke about, being The Tomorrow War, was so terrible, I don't want to talk about it again. Yeah, please I don't. went and rewatched 2012's Argo. Ooh, the Ben Affleck film, yeah? Yeah, starring and directed by Ben Affleck. Wrote the theme tune, sung the theme tune, did it all, I believe. No, 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 just directed and starred in it. Okay, okay, how is it? I've not seen Argo, surprisingly. Have you not? Put, Do you put, know, I put, haven't. Put it on the list, it is really good. Um, wow, it's... hold hold, hold, on, hold on a second here. Are you telling me to put something on the list and yet you continually mock me for having yeah, such the, a the, long the, list? The, the cap's 10,000, and now that you've watched one, you can add one to it. So I thought if I put a good <laughs> one on that list, then you're not going to fill it up with your latest shop of horrors nonsense that you bought on DVD. <laughs> or is that uh, like, you know what I mean? So, uh, no, yeah. honestly, it's, it's uh, I've said that's probably my second viewing of the film. Okay. Having watched it a long time ago. Um, really good film, really well made. Um, Ben Affleck is so understated in the lead role. 
um, where you go, oh, it's the lead role. He's going to be very domineering. No, and he's deliberately quite withheld and which just wonders for the rest of the cast to, to act up. Um, got some brilliant moments from like Brian Cranston in there, John Goodman out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, genuinely, it's a really great film. It's just under two hours long if you watch on the theatrical and yeah. a few minutes longer if you watch the director's cut. And yeah, no, really good film. Really good film. Yeah, um, I know oddly, it won all of the awards, yeah. Uh, except that Ben Affleck was not nominated for Best Director, I don't think. I think he got snubbed in that category. Yeah, more than likely. Sounds about right. Mm. But yeah, no, so I, I watched that Thursday night. I really enjoyed that, and I do nice. endorse you watch that because... It, for me, it's it's a bit different. It's not an action film. It's not a comedy. It's actually more of a dramatization. And again, it's that thing based on a true story, but even Ben Affleck's when at the time, well, yeah, it's based on a true story, but we have taken some liberties purely for, for storytelling mechanic to make it one well. Um, okay. But I'm like, no, I really enjoyed it. I'd recommend it. Okay, cool. There you go. Cool. There you go. That wasn't a repeat of Tuesday. <laughs> We're not repeating anything. I don't know what you mean. My DeLorean says otherwise. <laughs> yeah, fair play, fair play. So, for those of you who listened last month, I started playing Final Fantasy VII. Or shut it, you. This is the time is not working right now. It's fine. So for those of you listening to the previous episode, know that I started Final Fantasy VII Remake. I've now finished it. 46 hours. It left me annoyed. My main problem with it is that out of the 46 hours, there's actually about 20 hours gameplay. There's probably about 10 hours of cutscenes where you don't do anything. And there's probably another 10 hours of just walking from place to place. It's, um, yeah, don't get me wrong, I really did enjoy it. Don't get me wrong at all, it's a fantastic game. All of the reviews for that game are completely justified 100% because it is fantastic. I just feel like it's very, very padded. A lot of the stuff where, like I say, kind of the padding could have easily been cut out and they could have incorporated more of the game into it, more of the original game into it I should say but it kind of left me annoyed without getting too spoilery because I think Matt wants to play this at some point I will do but it's worth stating I'm still on my uh, first playthrough of the first disc of the PS1 game the way kind of it finishes exactly where I expected it to finish which is basically where you leave Midgar Mm -hmm. which is fine before you get onto the world map the way the whole game has been narratively been pushed, it's really strange. It's like Final Fantasy VII, but an Elseworld story. I'm not going to say much more than that, because there are, certain, there are certain things that happen at the end of the game that don't happen in the original game, and it leaves it completely open to where they want to go with Final Fantasy 7 Part 2 
which I dare say we will get within 15 years' time, given that the rate development is going on Final Fantasy VII Remake. Although I must say, playing that now, it's got me on a bit of an RPG kick, so I have brought Final Fantasy X and X2 HD. And I've brought um, Final Fantasy XII Zodiac Age, which I plan to start at some point. I even bought Nino Kuni Remastered as well, which I do plan on playing. And that for that is based purely on the fact that Studio Ghibli did a lot of the animation cutscenes for it because I have never played it. I think it was you who drew my attention. Yeah, to it I, I've been saying to you for a while, like you like a good RPG. That's yeah. an RPG with really good reviews. Give it a go sort of thing. So I do want to get onto that. And then obviously I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake and I was like, boy! So I jumped into God of War 2018. I ticked another one off the list. Finished it. There's no way I'm going back to that game at all whatsoever. Did you get the secret ending? You what? Did you get the secret ending? What 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 secret ending? It, you know, in the main game, like you have to defeat all the Valkyries. It, did you do that when you finished it 100 percent? Defeated all the Valkyries. All right, I finished the story mode on God of War 2018. I clearly need to go back and to the Valkyries to get the secret ending. For fuck's sake. No, you have to beat all the Valkyries and best of luck defeating the final Valkyrie because I really struggled on the final Valkyrie. <sighs> they're, they're a bit like, um, uh, I'm going to say like Mukajin from Tekken, where oh, they'll use the fighting style of all of the other Valkyries in just at random, so you'll have to adjust your fighting style on the fly. And then you have to go back to your house at the start of the game and have a power nap. Uh, okay. But that game is bloody gorgeous anyway, isn't it? It's absolutely breathtaking. Oh, superb. The, the whole of the whole of kind of the the nine realms and stuff's absolutely breathtaking. I mean I'm only running it on a base PS4. Mm. On like a 32 inch TV, like non 4K or whatever HD, but it looks absolutely breathtaking. The final descent at the end of the game, where you go to a certain place to do a certain thing with boy, yep. is absolutely breathtaking. I kind of stood at the top and I looked around and I was like, wow, this, this game is bloody beautiful. I really wish I'd finished it sooner because I think the problem was, was that I'd literally started it about a day after I finished The Last of Us Part 2. And I was so emotionally drawn out from The Last of Us Part 2 because that game is just... It's just so draining. And then I went into this next game, which is so heavy as well. I didn't go back to it for a year, as is evidenced. And then I... Yeah, I really wish... I really wish I'd kept with it. But like I say... I should have had a palate cleanse between the two games, to be honest. Yeah, I could have experienced it fully. Yeah, that's fair enough. Or, or you could have just played it closer to its release, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. No, that's fair. All right, then. So, I've been playing lots of games. I finished okay. Portal 1 and Portal 2. Nice. Nice. And I really wanted to do some content on them, but a YouTube channel I follow has, has done some content on it. And I feel that yep. their opinion would bias my opinion 
which then means I'll just be echoing their sentiment, which isn't really what we were all about. We want to leave a little bit of time before I rip them off. Um, but no, the annoying thing was, is I'd finished both those games in like three days. And then a couple of days later, I'm like, right, I'll get ready to do some recording around it. And then it went live stream portal two. And I'm like, bollocks. <laughs> yeah. I found that when I've come to record, uh, movie episodes, uh, a little while back, I wanted to do, uh, well, I've done Power Rangers now, but I wanted to do the mm. remake of Power Rangers. I got it all set up. I got the DVD. I was ready. And then I looked at my podcast feed. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll leave that for a little while then. There's lots of yeah. stuff that's happened like that, though, unfortunately. That's just the way the world is. I honestly think it moves in cycles, doesn't it? How you go. Yeah. Because we all tend to follow the same similar things based on our interests. If someone's ending going, oh, I feel like playing Portal 2 soon, that is because they're being influenced by the external factors that are influencing everybody else. And that's yeah. why everybody else is going, yeah, I should play Portal 2 soon. That, and then it's just a case of who presses the button first. That's like our um, Christmas episode that went out. We yeah. did Santa's sleigh. We recorded yeah. it. And we were like, right, we're going to put this out Christmas Day. It's going to be the Christmas episode. And then literally like two weeks after the... um. The live stream wasn't, happened. Wasn't, wasn't even that. I think we'd agreed that we are doing it, we'd recorded it, and then it yeah. was like a few days later, a big yeah, podcast announced. Yeah. yeah. Um, friends so of the doing podcast, this strong language violence scene. Yeah, friends of the podcast, strong language violence scenes, God bless them. They, they, pulled, they literally pulled the name out of a hat, and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, now. <laughs> that's, it's, that's it's, fine. It's we love those guys. Love it. Love you, Mitch and Andy, if you're listening. We love you very much. <laughs> it, it, was, it was just sod's law that, that it fell that way. But I, I do think that we discussed some points that those chaps didn't pick up on uh, based yeah, on me but... watching the film obsessively every year at Christmas. Um, and they possibly episode... picked up on some bits I didn't have, So Yeah, their episode on it, by the way, is very, very good. People who are listening to this should go listen to that. And obviously go listen to our one as well afterwards. They're, they're no, in this I was first. Stuff. Listen to ours first, <laughs> and go listen Sorry, to theirs. Yes. Come on now. <laughs> yes, okay. Self-promote first. <laughs> Love you, Andy and Mitch. Sorry, but we come first. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so video so, games, um, anyway, Portal. Yeah, yeah, so I, I beat both of those, really enjoyed them. And then um, I was playing some Couch Co-op of Overcooked 2. Ah, uh, the game that causes many hundreds of divorces and arguments, yes. I'm familiar yeah, with Yeah, the thing was is that it was great fun initially, but once you hit the three or four hour mark of a continuous play, you, then the basic things start to really wind you up and you just start failing at the basic things. <laughs> and then you find yeah. going, well, we've got our plan. We've agreed to our plan of how we're going to do this. And then either you or the other person stops following the plan and you're like, we had a plan. You were following the plan. Why are you no longer following the plan? <laughs> Do you know like, what? Yeah, it's time time to turn this off now. <laughs> it, that's that's brought back a, a memory of going to um, uh, summer in the city in oh, I want to say it was about 2017, 2018. Which, for those of you who don't know, is a big YouTube YouTuber convention. It's geared mainly primarily at younger people, and I was easily the oldest person in the room. At my even at my youthly uh I was about twenty-seven, twenty-eight, 
when I went, and I was still the oldest person in the room. But anyway, uh, they had switches set up, and they had it overcooked on there. I had my ex's kid with me, and there was a couple of other kids playing it as well at the same time. And I was like, what are you doing? I'm trying so hard not to swear at all these children. Because I'm like, this is the plan. This is what we need to do. Why are you not following the plan? I want to call you irritating little children because you are not following the plan. I would have. I always sort of smacked them up the back of the head and choke slammed them. Because I'm like, when you've got more people playing that game, it should be easier because you all have set responsibilities. When yes. it's just one or two of you, it's far more difficult. Because this game, you can couch up to up to four players on. So between yeah. two of you, are like there's quite a bit to do and quite a bit to remember. And if you fall out of the rhythm, you're knackered. Although after that, I think we played uh, Smash Brothers, uh, whatever the newest one's called. I can't remember what it's called. It wasn't wasn't long after it was announced and I was clearly botting it as Cloud Strife because, of course, you play a Nintendo-exclusive game and you play the Square characters. Of course you do. Yeah, you go, fear the might of Sony. (laughs) You go... You go, what's that? You're Red. picking Pikachu. Eat Buster Sword, mofo. Brilliant. I've also, um, video game-wise, been browsing the Steam sale. I sent oh. you a couple messages last night. On, you, did. Like, you did. Evil Within 1 and 2, like £3.50 and £4.50. I'm like, they're cheap no. enough for a punt. I'm like, this is the thing, is that your opinion differed from someone else that I know who played them. And both of your opinions differ against the internet. So I'm like, well, now I'm really unclear. And then I saw like Quake 2 was like pound or something. Do you know what? Quake 2 for a pound is an extremely good punt. But you have to bear in mind that literally yesterday or the day before they recently announced, at the time of recording this is, a Quake HD Super Duper Remaster. That would be why... Um, the, yeah. the the sale on Steam is called Quake Con, which I assume yeah. is where they announced the game, and like it's seventy five percent off everything. Yeah, but that was only on, that was only on the original Quake, not on Quake Two. But damn, I would pay one pound nineteen to play Quake Two again because that was fun. Quake Two is excellent. I think I'd just find it a bit old and and janky, but you know, I don't know. I think. I think Quake's one of those that would really benefit from uh, mouse and keyboard, unfortunately, because I was reading all the reviews yeah. online and stuff. Console's good, don't get me wrong, but apparently um, mouse and keyboard with that, so you can do the strafing, because it is a fast-paced sort of shooter. Yeah, mouse and keyboard range. gives you speed. Yeah. It would give you the speed and more of an advantage, and obviously Rocket, uh, they do rocket jumps in that, don't they, in Quake and stuff, so yeah. Yeah, probably be the way. Yeah, I, I mean, I loved, I loved Quake Two on the N sixty four though, and I would give anything to play that version of Quake Two again because that game was so so good. Well, this is the thing is that I look through like the Steam sale and go, oh, all these old games are really cheap now. And now that I'm part of the PC Master Race, I could play these with like no issue. But I'm like, no, don't spend all of the money on stuff. Be, <laughs> be strategic. As I'm in between big games at the moment. Yeah, I've not played any big single player games for a while, so I'm like, I'm just, I don't quite know what I'm going to jump into next. I'm just playing lots of little things. Yeah, The Evil Within, if you really want to play it, um, 
I will put my account on your PS4 if you've still got it, and I will let you play it and let you form an opinion of that. Because I paid about one pound fifty for it, and it is so not worth the one pound fifty. But the thing is, <laughs> is I think the console versions were broken, and I think that's been fixed on PC in terms oh, of performance maybe. and bugs and that. Which is why I'm like, this is one benefit of a PC is that if something's broke, if the developers don't fix it, fans fix it. Fans will. Yeah. Because there's always fans that are going, I can see the potential of this. I'll just fix it. Yeah, I mean, I've got it on PS4, and it's. I didn't even get that far into it. I got, I did maybe three, four, maybe five hours, and I was like, "Yeah, this is garbage." And it just, even with like Shigeru Miyamoto behind it, the creator of Resident Evil, it was like, oh, "This is just so creepy mm. and cliche, and just oh, it's not for me." Fair play if you do like it, but for me, nah, it's definitely hashtag content at some point though, for sure. Uh, I I kind of feel that I do want to. Give it a go. The, the more I just think about it, the more I go, I should I should just buy and play that. That'd be great. It is hashtag content for sure. Yeah. 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 I don't know what a hashtag is. I'm I'm very old. <laughs> Shut your face. <laughs> so then m- moving along. Yes. Like I've watched a fair bit of TV, and this is going to lead us into a big topic. And now Bearing in mind that you always tell me that I'm far too political and I need to stop being so political. I've I've taken that on board and I completely understand it, that I not need to stop bringing up current affairs and stuff like that. So I really want to talk about toxic fans. Hey, yeah, politics, politics, satire, politics. Yeah. Social events, social events, current events. Yeah. <laughs> so so just to all just to warm up into that, like I watched the Castlevania animated TV series and it was superb. Uh, I'd yeah, watched series one when it released and I've just watched the, the final three seasons back to back because that's the kind of guy I am and I thought it was brilliant. But that was because I'd actually just watched um, Masters of the Universe from Kevin Smith. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I need some more animation here. So, so the one further thing I'd say about Castlevania, other than is you should totally check it out. So I think it's possibly one of the best video game adaptions going. Detective Pikachu wants a word with you. I said one of. <laughs> but, but Detective Pikachu doesn't have the lead character Trevor Belmont punching Dracula in the face repeatedly, like peppering him in punches. Dracula just looking at him going, bitch. That Street Fighter has Raul Julia eating and chewing the scenery. Because for him, it was a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. For her, it was like the worst day of her life when Bison <laughs> descended upon their village. Uh, but for him, it was just a Tuesday. I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it. You don't remember? For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. That's an Um, episode at some point coming down the line, by the way. uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, um, yeah, I kind of, like, the main main talking point really is toxic toxic fans, and that's because I watched T-Man Masters of the Universe. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a 
brilliant um, show. I thought it was beautifully drawn, if that's the correct term nowadays. Uh, I really enjoyed the story. I really liked the the voice acting. It had like um, Sarah Kevin Michelle Gellar plays Tila. Um, Kevin Conroy's Fishman or whatever the fuck he was called. I don't know. Uh, Lena Headley as Evil Lynn. Man at Arms was voiced by uh, Liam Cunningham from Game of Thrones and various other things. He'd know his voice. So, but... Yeah, I believe He Man's uh, He Man Prince Adam is actually voiced by the guy from. The Supergirl TV series, if memory serves. I can't remember his name for the life of me. Who oh, it played... is, isn't it? Yeah, it's a uh, generic plays... white guy. Yeah. But no, I, I really enjoyed this adaption. It it went to unexpected places, but that's what I want because it had character development. It built upon what I know of He-Man and Masters of the Universe. It had a lot of world building. And really enjoyed it. And of course, this is only the first six episodes of this series. For whatever reason, I'm not entirely sure why they've split this season into two. So we've got six episodes now, and then we're getting six episodes slightly later. I'm not entirely sure why they've done that. Now, and I'm curious if they'd put it out all in one chunk, whether there would have been less backlash, because there's been a lot of backlash about this. People going, oh no, you killed off He-Man in the first episode. Oh no, you brought him back alive in the sixth episode and then killed him off again by Skeletor, the legendary Mark Hamill. Oh, the actor's um, name, by the way, is Chris Wood. I just looked it up. Okay. Oh, I've yeah. already forgot. Yeah. But that's, yeah. It was annoying me. I had to look it up. Um, so here's the thing, right? I think they have valid points, don't get me wrong. But I think in order to progress and enhance the plot, because lest we forget, this is actually a continuation of the original 80s TV series, I think it's a good way of... I mean, it's called Masters of the Universe Revelations. It's not called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. If you want that, there is a new recently revealed upcoming uh, series, I think, coming out on Netflix as well. Yeah, it looks like ass. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen the trailer, but there is a new there is a new one coming if you want more of that. But I think for Revelations, it's a way to continue the the uh, the story of the characters and explore kind of more character sides of them where you may not have got them in the original series so take uh orko for example his kind of main plot in this series is basically how he feels about being uh kind of being really down on himself with no confidence and things and there's a there's a really great episode where uh he talks to evil lynn about their magic powers together and kind of she encourages him to go, oh, yeah, you are stronger than you think you are. And he goes, well, my parents named me uh, Oracle. Oracle. But I I didn't know how to say it, so I said Orko. And, yeah, some really, really nice character-building stuff in there. I really liked those bits. I can see why proper fanboys would go like, but there's a girl and there's a god." damn no he-man damn thing yeah i think it's a nice way to kind of like i say study the characters more in depth because like i said before if you want he-man it's not got he-man in the title so he's not necessarily going to play a larger part 
the thing was is that if He-Man had remained the main character throughout everything, nobody else would have got much development because you would have just had, oh no, problem, He-Man turns up, twats everyone, wins, end of end of episode. I'm like, that uh, that wouldn't have interested me as an adult. Um, no, I do have I do have a key criticism which I think everybody's just expanded upon and gone crazy. Um which was a little bit of poor story writing in the first episode when uh Tila finds that He Man is actually Prince Adam and she's in the throne room, the man at arms is telling her uh Prince Adam's parents. Yeah, um He Man dies and the king's like all right, yeah, whatever. He's like, by the way, your your son Prince Adam's He Man. He's like, no, I cast you out. Yeah, um, he he was doing his Odin thing, um, which is fine. The bit I didn't like was when Tila went, "Nah, fuck you, buddy." <laughs> I, I'm making yeah. this all about me. I'm upset that my best friend had lied to me and had died, and now I'm angry at all of you because none of you told me that he was He Man. Essentially, and then she storms off in a strop, quits her job. And I'm like, that's not quite right. It would have made more sense that when she finds him in heaven, she could have got starts then to build resentment towards him, going, Look, you died, and I had to learn how to live without you. Fine. But having it just out of the outset of going, Nah, fuck you, buddy. I'm like, that doesn't quite make sense in when you reflect back on it. But would it be enough to make you go, they took my He-Man and I'm going to go on Metacritic and all the review websites and review bomb it and derp-a-derp-a-derp? Nah. No, it's it's just a pointless endeavour, really, when you think about it. What is review bombing ultimately going to do? It's, it, it, I mean, let's be honest, it's an IP based on a children's franchise, right? I mean... All right, it's a continuation of the original 1980 series, but you have to remember what He-Man and the Masters of the Universe was originally. It was originally a toy line, and the TV series was an advert for said toy line. And well, I think really, Ke- really, yeah. Kevin Smith said it best when he went, "Do you really think that Mattel is going to let me take their franchise and ruin it?" Exactly, that's exactly it. Oh, tell you what, do you know who Jason Mewes voiced in the show? Stinkor! Yes, yes, he did. <laughs> yes, his his three lines were, were snooch to the nooch. And 50 bucks, little man, put that shit in my hand. <laughs> yeah, I oh, mean, oh. This whole review bombing thing reminds me very similarly. I brought it up earlier in the show, but The Last of Us Part 2, I'm going to go back to it again, I'm afraid. Yeah. Because fragile incels on the internet could not handle the fact that A, one of their favourite protagonists, spoilers, by the way, um, but the fact that they kill off Joel at such an early stage of the game, which pissed a lot of people off, the fact that they try and make... Uh, the quote-unquote villain, Abby, more sympathetic by playing her, by making you play her side. And the fact that she's a strong female character with biceps. What? Women cannot have biceps. They should be in the kitchen making me a sandwich. 
But um, yeah, it's well, yeah. The thing was, is I really liked Abby in the Last of Us Part Two. I think yeah. I much preferred her story arc where she got her revenge because Joel killed her father, and literally every other firefighter in the entire hospital complex wiping out the potential medical say uh, future of society. Yeah, let's not forget that. That's the thing with Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog, because I Naughty Dog took me on a ride with that fucking game. Because initially I was like, I don't like Abby. She killed Joel, and then obviously the way it's been written and the way you play it, they make her more sympathetic. By the end of it, which I'm sure you will agree with, Matt, I, I was Team Abby all the way. Yeah, I was Team Abby as well. Like the fact you find her at the end where she's been tortured at like some sort of internment camp and she's literally been crucified yeah along with like 10 15 other people including her companion that she saved along the way and yeah. you've battled your way there as ellie to then have your final revenge and you go shit look at the state of that she's lost a lot of weight she's been tortured no 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 you know what i am going to still try and batter you to death you're like what the fuck is wrong with you ellie yeah like yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing with that game. It's just written and pitched so well, so it's kind of morally ambiguous, so to speak. Because obviously, you can still side with Ellie, especially if you've gone along the whole journey through the first game with her. You've done the DLC with her, the um, Left Behind DLC, I think it is, which I don't this think is... you've played. I haven't played that DLC, but I've been on the journey with Ellie, and I just went along the way. She got stupid. The fact that she's left her girlfriend and their newborn child to go off and revenge comes back to her girlfriend and her newborn child and then goes, no, nah, I can't do this. I have to go get my revenge. You're like, the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Well, to be fair, we know what's wrong with you. You're <laughs> living in a futuristic hellscape. But you just kind of like, no, take a moment and think this through. But that's what a strong female um, thing and that. A lot of the criticism, I think, was just because she had a, a, a Abby had a slightly more masculine appearance, and I know the actress that portrayed her put on a bit of muscle, and then one of the mocap actors is actually a CrossFit athlete as well yeah. for Abby, and CrossFit athletes, these women are like ridiculously muscular and strong in that. Yeah, but I don't have an issue with that. I think it's awesome. No, um, exactly. It's representation in in a video game medium for for people who may not for crossfitters. Well, yeah, that's not what I'm going for. But it's yeah, it's I representation know. for characters who may not necessarily be seen with either within video games or like uh, film. Like I say again, in the Last of Us Part Two, a lot of people took umbrage with the fact that there's a trans character in there. I personally don't have a problem with that. I had a bit of a problem with kind of some of the things that happens to said trans character, but within the confines of the story, I kind of understand it because of the obviously. Uh, so this this trans character is basically ousted from the village, and obviously the uh, I want to say they're like cultists, weren't they? In that game, they yeah, keep they, they keep they dead naming the trans character, and I found that a little bit kind of why do we have to have trans characters kind of be victimized in a way for them to be shown on screen? 
but I do understand why they they did that in order to because it's part of the world, it's part of the story. I do totally get that. This was the thing for me. I didn't even clock that that they I I'd I'd got that they had decided uh, to identify as a different gender, but I didn't pick up on anything beyond that. Me from a very simplistic viewpoint of going press X to murder the man. Uh, press X to murder the baddie. I didn't really think too much into it beyond that, and I had just assumed that the cultists calling the character by their birth name was just because they didn't know what the character's chosen name was. Yeah, and that's about as much thought as I give it because at the time I was playing as Abby and I was just murdering people, going yeah. Um, <laughs> but another good example in recent years, certainly for British listeners was when they cast Jodie Whittaker as um, the Doctor, doctor Who. Yeah. They have a female lady play the Doctor in a role that's been portrayed by males since 1960-something. That got a hell of a lot of backlash. Um, personally, I watched it and went, yeah, that's fine. Got no issues with that. Because they'd already set precedent with it by having the Master portrayed as Missy. Yeah, arguably who did a better job, but then that's just because I always like a villain. <laughs> I, I find villains you know, more interesting. Actually, do you know what the actor that p- portrays Missy? She's fantastic. I haven't seen her in Doctor Who, but she plays one of. Uh, she's actually in the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the Netflix series. She plays oh, okay. a role in that, and she is fan fucking tastic. I keep swearing a lot, but it's true. She is absolutely fantastic. She is absolutely fantastic in that series. You've not seen her in Doctor Who, then? Did you you miss those seasons? Um, do you know what? I fell off the Doctor Who train when Peter Capaldi was introduced. Okay, so it was the, this was the same time when Missy was introduced. Then, yeah, I would imagine first so. few first few times you see her doesn't introduce her as a name, uh, but you just see her every so often. You're like, who is this and what they're doing? And when Peter Capaldi eventually runs into her, she introduces herself as Missy. And he goes, Missy, that's a strange name. And she went, well, I can hardly keep calling myself the master, can I? And then you just see Peter Capaldi's expression like change to pure <laughs> horror. And I'm like, fuck yes, that's a great TV moment. Yeah. Um, so but no, um, but yeah, when they cast uh, uh, Jodie Whittaker, no issues with that. I did take issues with their stories that they started to tell. But that was because of my science fiction show, I Want Some Science Fiction. Yes, you have to travel back into time. And I think one of the episodes that caused the most rage from from, uh, Pilux was the Rosa Parks episode where the Doctor travelled back to where Rosa Parks famously took her stand on the, uh, the bus system to say, no, I'm not giving up my seat to a white person, Um, which then sort of really give emphasis to to the whole which gave a huge um which really started to give legs to the civil rights movements in america now i don't mind stories like that but i would have preferred that as a dramatization Hmm. in my science fiction show i don't necessarily want to see that but then a good example of how i do want things like that to be addressed in my science fiction show is the example of a very early one was where you had the daleks and the towels on the same planet and they both descend from the same race but basically are committing genocide against each other 
and it's basically racism. The Thals are going, I don't like Daleks because they've got tentacles and creepy. And the Daleks are going, fuck those blonde-haired, blue-eyed. Well, they weren't blonde-haired or blue-eyed. They're actually six foot four and green. Fuck those green people over there. And it shows you, it's showing you race and interpretations and things like that, but through the filter of science fiction, which is ultimately what Doctor Who is pitched at. So I'm kind of like, what? I can understand wanting to show real life historical figures in the show, but I also don't think that should be the driving factor behind it. I think you'd do far better pushing these sorts of stories when you remove them from Earth and have them as a more fantastical thing than you're teaching young children. Say you were saying you want it more as a subtle subtext as opposed to overtly over the top. Is that kind yeah, of what the, 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 the thing is, this has been my criticism of a lot of the modern Doctor Who. If Tom Baker, for 10 years, could stagger around on alien planets, giving people jelly babies, why did a modern TV series spend 95% of each of their series on Earth? I want to watch a science fiction show where they're all over the galaxy. It can still have humans in it. They can be human colonies on space stations, on alien worlds, every so often. But the, the main draw for me to Doctor Who was the whole science fiction element. Yeah. Like you've got some thinking... fascinating stories. No, I'll just I'll just carry on a wee bit more because I've just thought of a cool thing. Please. One of the yeah. most interesting things you think from very early Doctor Who was when the Cybermen were introduced during Patrick Troughton's era in the early 1970s when you're going, wait, those robots are scanning us up. No, the cyborgs, they're, they're human remains of humans that have gradually been adding technology to themselves, and it was horrifying yeah. watching them come out of these pods. Okay, they redid that for the modern era, but unfortunately the Cybermen look like plastic toys, so it's shit, rather than having them look truly metallic and horrific. But you go, based on where we are now, we're going, oh, Apple eyeglasses, wear a smartwatch, and now they're talking about creating uh, biotech that you could potentially have implanted to yourself if you look at it from the medicine point of view going oh you can have this thing injected into you and that will monitor your blood sugar level so if you're a diabetic it'll tell you when you need to take insulin etc that that kind of thing and you're like that's fascinating yeah. through the science fiction lens you go we're basically becoming cybermen which was an interesting tell of a story to go this is what happens to a race when they're constantly seeking improvement above all else and look mm. what they've done to themselves. I'm like, I'd rather stories like that showing the flaws of humanity through that filter, because then I also I can have a doctor waving us uh, a wand around in a blue telephone box with a, a metal dog, depending on who your doctor, which doctor is your favourite. It can have those silly moments without me going, why is this constantly on earth? I, yeah. If they could take it off world in decades previous when there was less money in special effects, you can do it That's now. That's exactly what I was going to say. Probably a lot of it is budget, but arguably with technology the way it is, they could feasibly do that. It's funny you bring up the toxic fandom and obviously incels on the internet and things like that, because I've recently started to watch Harley Quinn Series 2 on E4 in the UK. Oh, I've just been broadcasting. So... They've only just sort of started showing Series 2 at a time of recording where I think it's about a couple of years behind from when it was originally broadcast in the US on the DC Universe app. But one America. of the 
<laughs> yeah, all right. But one of the episodes starts with these two uh, stereotypical, quote unquote, fanboys sat on the sofa, and one of them has a t shirt that says, Release the Snyder Cut on it. And the other one is wearing a t shirt that says, The Last Jedi is not canon. And this whole scene is basically based around those going, Ugh, why would you want to watch Harley Quinn? It's a show about a girl. And it doesn't even have any Batman in it. Why would you want to watch a show with a character from Batman when it hasn't even got Batman in it? And then basically they they decide they're going to watch this one episode because it has actually got Batman in it. And well, then at the they, end of the episode, at the end of the episode, they basically turn around and go, well, well, that sucked. Yeah, that was awful. It's like, but you still watched it, though. I was going to say, that's <laughs> it almost was like... like... That's almost my criticism of the Gotham TV show going, don't make a TV show about Batman without Batman in it. <laughs> yeah. But like I say, it's obviously it's got them sat on the sofa and they're being like, you're really sort of stereotypical. One of them's like spotty. One of them looks at, not going to lie, he looks a little bit like me, just a lot slimmer with, with the beard, like typical neck beard bro sort of guy like a bong at the side of the table and stuff. But it just kind of got, got me thinking like, well, the fact that it is so kind of openly talked about now saying that actually all sides of fandom do have this kind of really shitty bit to it. I mean, for example, take the Snyder Cut stuff. Arguably that got started because a group of people went, uh, basically took interviews from Zack Snyder who said, yeah, this is a cut of the film it's absolutely fantastic you've never seen it but they've got together as a whole to get it released but unfortunately the way they've done it is through basically bullying and internet trolling uh whether for good reason or not i don't know but i think the problem with that is that now kind of fans feel very entitled and they now think they have a proper say about as to what uh, they can get released or get done necessarily. And I don't think it's a power that they should ultimately have. I think the ultimate power, the ultimate power should come down to basically voting with your wallet. So if you go and see a film at the cinema, you buy it on DVD or Blu-ray, you buy the video game, you buy a band's uh, T-shirt or whatever, you're effectively voting with your wallet it's not like you are basically trolling actors on the internet on like Twitter. Take, uh, for example, uh, The Last Jedi. Kelly Marie Tran, who plays Rose in The Last Jedi, she was effectively hounded off of social media because people hated her character. Yeah, and, and then look what such... happened in look what yeah. happened in the sequel. They went, well, we're just going to reduce her role to basically nothing. Exactly. And I think... Uh, I think she's great in that role in The Last Jedi. She brings a lot more for a film that is about stars and wars. I think she brings a little bit more humanity to this big, uh, really, really slow, very unfortunate, fucking slow space race. Yeah, the thing was that, that film. I, I, mean, I, I had, had, I I had, had issues problems. with that film, but they, they were mostly that it was stupid. Yeah, you're in a, a giant chase race, like you said, but but some people can sneak off and go do things, and we're like, well, why weren't they yeah. blown out the sky? That makes no sense. And I mean, but I really liked what they did with the characters to go. 
yeah, your your parents are nobody. You have no natural inherited rights or anything. But it goes, anybody has the potential to be great. I'm like, that's a great message to take away. Obviously, exactly. fans, the vocal fans didn't want that. And Disney were weak enough to give the fans what they wanted in the sequel, which was shit. But then again, that goes back to that thing I went, don't plan to make a trilogy of films without a fucking we'll plan, a without a story plan. That is the thing that bothers me most about anything. I don't care if you shit all over the characters as long as you've got an overarching, consistent story that's leading somewhere. That's like, obviously, what you said about the sequels to The Rise of Skywalker. It was pretty much Disney basically pandering to this really loud... I mean, they were a minority of the fan base, let's be honest, because it is always the smallest, more... I don't want to use the word passionate, but I guess they are. The, the more... Yeah, the more smaller, passionate fans are more vocal from, say, for example, me, who is like your casual moviegoer who doesn't necessarily have a great love for that franchise as a whole. Well, this is the thing, is that I was really into Star Wars, and, I, yeah. and I, I probably would fall into that slightly more specialist category of, oh dear, here he comes. But I'm also a bit like... I want to see stories and see where they take them. And if I don't like certain things, if my feedback's that I don't like this because of a stupid story decision that doesn't follow its own internal logic, they should address that. They shouldn't go, oh, we didn't like it because, uh, oh, Ray's not descended from a Palpatine or or descended from Ewan McGregor or, or anything like that. No, if my issue was... Well, no, it's the fact that she's just swanning around everywhere and nobody saw her to shoot her out of the sky at any point in time. Just address that in your next story to go consistent internal logic. Like, have someone proofread your script. That's and don't, don't stick to a deadline if you're going, right, JJ, we've sacked off the last director. We want you to make The Force Awakens again now. But by the way, you've got six months to make it or whatever it was. Like, really, yeah. what he should have done is gone, no. That's not enough time for me. No. I mean, I didn't like The Rise of Skywalker because it pandered too much to these very loud minority fans. Arguably, I I have problems with The Last Jedi, but I do generally think it's not a bad film. Although the, the idiots who said otherwise, who kind of, you know... I remember when, because I think literally it was the May after the solo film was going to come out. And there was a yeah. whole thing on Twitter, which was basically going to be, we're going to boycott solo. And that film had a lot of problems on its own anyway, without anybody yeah. before Again, he said, trying to go the see The problems it. with that were the studio fucking around and not thinking it through. Going, we want to hire directors well-known for directing improv stuff. Do you yeah, really want that with us? Uh, with a narrative-focused universe and stories that I need to connect, do you really think that's a good idea? Yeah. Well, but they hadn't thought about it, had they? But no. But no, I, I quite liked elements in in the Last Jedi. Um, like Luke at the end, just completely bossing it as a fucking Force vision. You're just like sweet, and then like Adam Driver and. Um, Daisy General, General, General Fox, 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 
Oh, you're on about Domhnall Gleeson, aren't you? Yeah, go, shoot them, shoot them all the ring you've got, keep shooting. Just completely yeah. going nuts. And I'm like, yes, that's what I like to see from my space Nazis. <laughs> yeah. That's what you tend to forget. They they are basically space Nazis, aren't they? Yeah, they yeah that's why they've got cool uniforms. It's mirroring. It's yeah. literally mirroring. The Come on, Dave. How, how, how did you forget that when they're literally called stormtroopers, Dave? Things from an actual Nazi regime. They're called stormtroopers. Thick, Dave. <laughs> yeah. But I think, like I say, I think, honestly, probably the best way to say that you don't like something, again, is voting with your wallet. I don't think it's going online and basically shouting and screaming and going, they took our he-man. I'll tell you what another interesting one was. When we had Avengers Endgame and it suddenly got flack out of nowhere going, all the female characters have come together on screen to save Peter Parker. Oh, yes. The, the thing he with that is that I agree with the criticism going, well, that's stupid. Why would every female character single in on Peter Parker? Like, yes, he's a nice looking chap, but come on now. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense based on where they all were in the battlefield and that nobody else could get to him. But I can understand that you want to go, oh, here's a nice girl power moment. But I'm like, that's stupid. Do it more organically. Whereas. <laughs> Uh, as yeah. an example of where that was done well was in The Boys season two. Okay, I haven't so seen that, have but yeah. Queen Maeve and two other characters, because I don't want to spoil too much for you, get into a, a them three fight a fourth person and they're literally like just combo smashing the shit out of this person. And you're like, that's female empowerment right there. Stamp the shit out of that person. Fuck <laughs> yes. But I like. I'd but like it worked. It worked organically. Yeah. It just flowed nice and organically. It wasn't the thing, like these the people thing, from these yeah. different areas have all come together because of that. Whereas they, this just flowed nicely intact because it'd been wrote that way. Yeah, that that's funny that you bring up the Avengers Endgame thing. I do you know what? I haven't got a problem with what they are now dubbing the A Force moment with all of the female MCU characters. I haven't got a yeah. Matt's why looking, is it A Force? Because A-Force is a thing in the comics. Is that just women Avengers? Are they known as the A-Force? So, uh, citation very much needed, but it is a thing from the comics, and they were called the A-Force, I think. May look right, this up. Okay. But yeah, I haven't got a problem with that moment. I agree with you. Yeah, it was a little bit slapdash and hasty put together. But you have to think from the marketing side of it that if you've got, uh, if you've got young uh, women or little girls in the audience... And suddenly they look up and they see these awesome badass female characters and they go, wow, that's really cool. It could have been done get... so much better. Yeah, like you've got Pepper Potts in fucking full on battle armor. And I read a, a brilliant fan theory about that, right? And it was so brilliant. I, I believe it's true now that every time Tony Stark gets into a film and a fight, he makes an upgrade to his armor all these different things. But you notice he never makes his armor so overpowered that he's just a walking death machine. You know, he, he dealt with the freezing issue in the first film. Then he's got the armor able to randomly assemble. Then he's called nanotechnology. Oh, he, he lost a fight with a Hulk against that big thing. When he put him built, deliberately built in technology to avoid that, which is why at the start of Infinity War, when Doctor Strange is in the street doing ring circles, 
he's yeah. able to take on the big dude with no issue. That's because he'd learned from his fight with the hub. They have this thing of developing. And then what they what the fan says is, well, when you see Pepper Potts turn up in her armor and fighting, it's like her armor is far more powerful than Tony Stark's because he's like, this is to protect her. I'm not giving her a restrained held back version that I'm wearing. She's getting the fuck everything up version of armor. And I'm like, I like that. But then based on that, when she arrived, she should have been kicking so much ass and it should have just followed her for a period of time without needing to go, oh, here's this, here's this, here's this. It's like, we've seen enough of these other characters. Show us these characters for, Do you remember? for an extended period of time. That's funny you're talking about Marvel. That was the other major thing as well, was the initial cast, not the initial casting, but the initial shots that appeared online for the Captain Marvel film. Um, I I think the Captain Marvel film is fine. It's clearly not for me. That's fine. Haven't got a problem with it. Mm. But it's the whole thing about why doesn't she smile more? And her response was basically put up all of the posters of the guys from the franchise and photoshopped in um, them all smiling, which I think is fantastic. It's a great yeah. way of... It's, it's like everyone drew out that criticism of her and yet you look at any other posters and none of the other heroes are smiling. Yeah, why, why have they like, seen on yeah, it's, Marvel? It's clearly because she's a woman, you know. Yeah. It, it, re- it really is, and it's just like unless we forget, unless we forget that Brie Larson is a multi-nominated a- actor in her field, you know. Hmm. And it's like you're telling her to smile more. Come on, really, guys? Like, like, let's face did it, Ellen? It's I tell you what. I, t- I tell you what. Did Ellen Ripley smile? Strong female character. Did she smile with her time on LV four eight two? She smiled when she held uh, the cap. Which I forget the name of now. The very important Jonesy, Jonesy, you shithead, you get to stay here this time. That's the one. Yeah, she she smiled when she was petting Jonesy, and that's the only time I remember. But that, that's 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 just automatic. You pick a cat up, you stroke it, you smile. That's just that's how it works. Time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jonesy. So like, yeah, there is an example of a strong female character. One another example of a strong female character, Sarah Connor. Yeah, she wasn't very... a happy lady. Now was she? No, that's that's very. Um, and would you and um, would you really expect that when her first introduction is from a mad, half deranged guy who smells homeless because he's wearing homeless clothes, going, "That thing will not stop. It will find you and it will kill you. There is no bargaining with it. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity, or remorse, or fear, and it absolutely will not stop." Ever until you are dead. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then she looks over and there's Arnold Schwarzenegger sprinting out with a shotgun. Like that you're not gonna be happy in that situation. It's like, come on now. Nah, it's, it's what a silly thing to pick fault at. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Let's be honest, it's it's basically guys in you know, it's that stereotypical thing of guys in, in their parents' basement just like... Uh, I've got a brilliant they're, thing they're I'm so going to send you. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to find it on YouTube very quickly. Um, so the other day when I was working from home, I, I like to listen to stuff in the background because otherwise okay. I'm sitting at home and it's just really quiet and it's a bit unnerving. But I was watching interviews with the Marvel cast. Okay. Now, oh, I think I know what you're going to send me. Is this the interviews with Scarlett Johansson? 
Yeah. And what yeah. it is is that every time they do an interview with Scarlett Johansson, they always ask her the sexist question of, how did you lose weight for the role? Like, did you find the clothes were too tight? And what to do about shoes and stuff? Yeah. But I found, I, found, I found this brilliant one, and I'm going to send this to you now. But Scarlett's there with Mark Ruffalo. And, and it's actually an interview via, I believe it's Cosmo, Cosmopolitan, the magazine. And they went, look, Scarlett, they're always really sexist to you, so we're going to spin it today. So we're going to ask Mark Ruffalo all the questions that would normally be asked to you. <laughs> That's awesome. So for, those, so for our more international listeners who may not necessarily know what Cosmopolitan is, uh, Cosmopolitan is a, would you say, predominantly female lifestyle magazine? Yeah, I'll just say it's a lifestyle magazine, not necessarily uh, female, but um, yeah, it's just a lifestyle magazine that's Traditionally, was aimed more towards the feminine market. But have you ever read it? There are some good articles in there. Do you know what? I haven't. I've never read a Cosmopolitan. <laughs> I've never read a oh, Cosmopolitan. It's got a bad reputation for me from watching Sex and the City and so on and so forth. Well, that's probably not the best place for a reference from, is it? Uh, one thing I've noticed a lot, especially from the press you did for the last film, was... You seem to get stuck with the same questions all the time. What diet are you on? Can you wear underwear under the Black Widow costume? We might mix it up a bit today and flip it around. So okay. yeah. feel free to embrace your feminine side, Mark. I okay? do every single day. And you've got the premiere tonight. So, Mark, what are you wearing on the red carpet this evening? Uh, a suit. I'm wearing a suit. A Burberry suit. Lovely. Yes, to, there's my tip of a hat to to being in london is it in is it a tweed suit no it's not just tweed a regular suit. yeah it's it's a it's a um actually a midnight blue i'm sure you'll look very spiffy thank you very much so did you feel much pressure to slim down get in shape go on a diet mark not really i i uh you made I a bunch think... of peanut butter did some push-ups yeah i right? did some push-ups i did my prison i have a prison routine that i do <laughs> in my but I, I don't like to go to the gym very much if i can help it so have you got any sort of cleansing tips on removing the tough to remove huh. makeup? You know, do you ever have, have to get painted? No. no, because some of the guys <laughs> had to get, had to get painted, painted and it's impossible to get off. Like, yes. I think it was with them for weeks after. Yes. I mean, Once you get painted like that, it's You tough. never go back. But I didn't have that. Uh, yeah. I, I, um, most of the stuff that I do is uh, in a leotard. And it's not very, um, and not very flattering leotard. Um, I call it the man-canceling leotard. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's so interesting. That's funny. That's really, really interesting as well, the fact that... So when was this interview? This looks like it was sort of Age of Ultron time. So that was, what, 2015, 2014, 2015? Yeah, 2015, yeah. That's really funny. Because you have to think that she's probably facing this sort of shit right now with the release of uh, the Black Widow film and stuff. Yeah, it'd be the exact same sort of questions at all of the interviews going, how did you lose the weight in your suit? Was it uncomfortable? How did you do wear your shoes? A lot of the questions they ask him is, how do you pee? And she just goes, I've answered this question so many times. I'm really... 
we've just brought out this multi-million dollar film and your question to me about the film is how do i pay <laughs> yeah i mean the only time but but they've done it before where she was interviewed as part of the uh avengers assemble panel they've asked all these serious questions in a studio setting and they come to her and go so scarlet how would you design the fashion for for your fellow avengers and she's like really with everybody here, you ask that question to me, and all the male actors are sitting there going, "Oh fucking hell! What what a stupid yeah. interviewer!" And she goes, "Well, for the whole here, I'd have them wear purple pants." And <laughs> and then she just doubled down into going really silly with it, just to highlight how stupid the question was. Yeah, you know, going back to that question about how do you pee in the suit, I think the only time anybody has ever asked anyone that is possibly when they've made Batman and they uh, ask the Batman what, actors, how do they... You mean, oh, you mean ask the male actor? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, what I mean. Uh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, it's always a Batman one, yeah. It's always a Batman, because I'm pretty sure they've asked Keaton, and he said on more than one occasion they've they made a... He's told people they have to make a zip or something, and I'm pretty sure Bale said the same thing to Affleck as well, so... Um, I'm just. I think I heard someone. I think I heard someone just say, "Oh, you just piss away. Don't worry about it." I think (laughs) I'm pretty sure I've heard that response before. So I think with all of that out of the way, I think it's time for us to now that we have fully had our fill on this side orders episode. Shall we tell the people about where they can find us and contact us and so on and so forth, dear Matt? Yeah, on social media, we're at Twitter at anyone podcast. But Facebook, you just type those words in and something will appear. Longer rants, rambles, considerations. Have you got any thoughts about toxic fandom and such? I'd be quite interested to hear from everybody. You can email us over at anyoneforseconds at gmail.com. We do the occasional Twitch stream every now and again at time of recording. I'm hoping maybe to do a couple of streams uh, in September. Keep an eye out for that. Anyway, we're over on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash anyone podcast. Don't forget to leave us a like, rating, review on your podcast platform of choice as it helps us grow the podcast and we can affect more ears. No, not like that. <laughs> <laughs>